So John McCain says that Russia and Putin is a bigger threat to us than ISIS. That's a big topic we're going to talk about this half hour. Welcome to Good Morning Orlando. We also are going to get to Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Filling in for Bud, I'm Michael Yaffe. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning scores are killed in an Afghan attack, and a suicidal gunman is arrested at OIA. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. So we're going to take your calls and texts on what McCain said. Do you agree? Is Russia the bigger threat? to our country. That's coming up next on Good Morning Orlando. Good Wednesday morning at 6.01 on News Radio 1025. A car bomb in Kabul's diplomatic district has killed at least 80 people and wounded around 350 others. Officials tell Al Jazeera today's blast was one of the biggest to have hit the capital of Afghanistan. Early reports said the bomb went off near the German embassy, but a police spokesman says several other important offices are in the area too, so it's hard to say exactly what the target was. It happened at the peak of rush hour when the streets of Kabul were packed with commuters. There was no immediate claim of responsibility. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Yeah, and that goes a little bit into what I'm going to talk about because McCain says Russia and Putin's the bigger threat. But then you see stuff like this. We had, of course, the attack in Manchester and other things going on. It's a real debate to have. It's hard to make the argument that Russia is our bigger threat when you see stuff like this. But we'll get to that this half hour. Another news, the Pentagon says a U.S. missile has successfully intercepted another missile. In a test yesterday, the Pentagon says a missile launched from California successfully intercepted and destroyed an intercontinental ballistic missile that was fired from the Marshall Islands in the Pacific. The director of the Missile Defense Agency called it an incredible accomplishment and a critical milestone for the program. The test comes amid growing fears about North Korea's nuclear program. And didn't you say yesterday or somebody said yesterday that it's like shooting a bullet with another bullet? That's how hard yeah. it is to do something like this? The, these two missiles were traveling at four miles per second. So wow. to be able to calculate the arc and where exactly that intercept is going to happen. It's above my pay grade is all I know. Oh, same here. <laughs> it's above pay grade, <laughs> intellect. It's very cool, though. It's very cool. And, it, and the mathematics, the, the question is, uh, would the technology they tested yesterday be able to work in a real battle situation? But we're so much closer than we had been. Yeah. You know, exactly right. We're, we're at least going in the right direction, exactly. even if it's not ready yet. It's going to put our enemies on notice, I think. It will. And, uh, you know, the other thing, folks, you know, there's been so much focus on North Korea. But yesterday when they were getting ready for this test, they said, listen, you know, an ICBM from Iran is also, in, you know, could be a concern. Yeah, that's so true. We need to be prepared to protect our coast from either enemy. Exactly right. In local news, a man carrying a fake gun at Orlando International Airport is in custody today after a more than two and a half hour standoff. Orlando Police Chief John Mina said officers responded to reports of an armed man on the first floor of the airport in the car rental area last night in Terminal A. And he also praised crisis negotiators for peacefully ending the standoff. Uh, our negotiators did a phenomenal job uh, talking with the subject for about two hours and finally got him to 
peacefully surrender. The man identified as Michael Pettigrew was taken into custody after talking to a crisis negotiator. Police say everyone is safe and no shots were fired. The suspect has been committed for mental evaluation. Meanwhile, regular operations are resuming at OIA after the standoff. The Florida Highway Patrol had blocked all road approaches into the airport last night amid the armed standoff, but the roadways reopened last night after crisis negotiators secured the scene. Right now, really what you could be dealing with more so today than anything is going to be weather delays, especially as the thunderstorms roll in this afternoon. They were quite some last night. Yes, they were. (laughs) A new poll says most Americans want the Senate to change or kill the health care bill the House passed this month. The latest Kaiser Health tracking poll finds 55 percent of people surveyed have a negative opinion of the American Health Care Act. The same percentage want the Senate to make big changes in the bill. House Republicans narrowly approved or to reject it entirely. The House passed the bill on May 4th as a repeal and replacement for the Affordable Care Act, commonly known as Obamacare. The other big story of the day today, going to be hearing a lot of people talking about comedian Kathy Griffin. Yep. Yeah, is apologizing for posting a photo that shows her holding President Trump's severed head by the hair. In a message on social media, Griffin admitted that she crossed the line with the image. She took down the picture from her feed and asked uh, photographer Tyler Shields to do the same. Her apology came after she received widespread backlash over the violent joke, so much so that now they're saying uh, her gig doing New Year's Eve on CNN is very much in jeopardy. And other people are saying it could be, you know, the end of her career as we know it. I'm I'm glad then that we're both. It seems like both sides are agreeing that this was too far. Yeah. That's at least some good news wow. out of all of this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Trying to That's silver lining that at least we can all agree that having a picture of a decapitated your president. Any is, head. Yeah, it's just true. it's not funny. Yeah. Especially exactly in this right. day and age with ISIS and everything. Yeah, that's it, true. You know, we have to remember there's been families who've, who've had to go through something like that. It, it, how can that ever be a joke? Yeah, I'm going to take calls and stuff in the eight o'clock hour to ask, kind of asking, how did we get to this point where someone would even think this is a good idea? So we'll talk about that in the eight o'clock hour. Well, finally, the Internet is also having a field day with a typo and a Trump tweet. Did you hear about this? I, I was just Tom Benson and I were talking in the break, you know, right before the show about this. I had not heard about this. And then I saw on the Fox TV that um they're really trying to figure out what it was about. I mean, because it's it's a real mystery. In a tweet just after midnight, the president was apparently commenting on negative press coverage when he in, instead typed about negative press, Kofifi, C-O-V-F-E-F-E, Kofifi. An hour later, Kofifi became the number one trending topic on Twitter in the U.S., Kofifi memes began popping up. The Kofifi.com domain name has also been snatched up, and a man in California has already bought the Kofifi license plate. <laughs> so it was a typo? Is that what they're saying? It was or do a we typo not know? because it's not a real word. Of course, a lot of people immediately went to the dictionary to see if, like, bigly, you know, uh, this is Kofifi's a word, but it's not a real word. Well, I thought maybe it was an acronym for something. Uh, apparently not. We're waiting on the president. <laughs> That's what they're going to ask at the daily press briefing today, aren't they? Well, that's where we are in this country, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> All right. WFLA News Time at 6:08. This is a frightening story. You can read about a cop responding to a car crash, ODing on a mystery drug at the scene. Wait, the cop OD'd? The cop OD'd on a mystery drug at the scene. 
a real issue for our first responders right now with fentanyl and carfentanil out there, the drugs that are being mixed with opioids and with heroin. But how did the cop OD? All you Was have it to do fumes or well, like with fentanyl or carfentanil, if it's in a powdered form, if you get it on your skin, you could have enough on you to overdose. Wow! It's such a concern that uh, drug narcotic dogs. They're worried about them overdosing because, of course, they're sniffing around right. trying to find the drugs. Yeah, that's their job. That's their job. They come across some of these drugs, and the next thing you know, they're overdosing. Unbelievable. Yeah, but it's a it's a story, wow. and you can read it for yourself at 1025wfla.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando with Mike Yaffe starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Yes, and this is Good Morning Orlando. I'm Michael Yappy, the producer, filling in for Bud. Thank you, Deb, so much for the news. We'll be back at the bottom of the hour, of course. So I want to get into McCain's comments. John McCain, uh, in our interview this week, talking about he thinks the biggest threat to our country right now, even a bigger threat than ISIS, is Putin and Russia. I agree. You agree? Absolutely. I think there's an argument on both sides. Oh, I think I absolutely agree. Absolutely there's an argument on both sides, but we right. cannot we cannot underestimate how much you know our our, our they're our oldest enemy, one of our right. oldest enemies. And they're run by someone who's, you know, from the golden age of the Cold War days when he was head of the KGB yep. and they hated us. He would love nothing more to bring us to our knees. We have to remember that about Vladimir Putin. I think you make a lot of sense. We're going to play John McCain's cut and we're going to take your calls at 407-916-5400 you can text to 23680 we have that in Orlando's news weather and traffic in just two minutes news radio 1025 WFLA so these comments are from Senator John McCain a, a couple days ago and obviously I'm not the biggest fan of John McCain he's definitely not a conservative like I'm a conservative and he definitely likes to bash Trump every chance he can get that being said i thought his comments uh were interesting if not controversial when he said um this on abc news earlier this week i think he is the premier and most important threat more so than isis i think isis can do terrible things and i worry a lot about what is happening with the muslim faith and i worry about a whole lot of things about it but it's the Russians who are trying, who tried to destroy the very fundamental of democracy, and that is to change the outcome of an American election. Now, I have seen no evidence they succeeded, but they, they tried, and they are still trying. They are still trying to change elections. They just tried to affect the outcome of the French election. So um, I've, I view Vladimir Putin, who has dismembered Ukraine, a sovereign nation, who is putting pressure on the Baltics. I view the Russians as a far as the far greatest challenges that we have. Now, I remember when Romney was running for president and he said Russia was the biggest geopolitical threat in the Obama administration, basically mocked him for saying that, oh, he's trying to bring us back to the Cold War, seeming more and more every day that Romney was right when he said that. But McCain's going even farther. He's not just saying that Russia's not our friend. He's saying Russia is probably the biggest threat, if not a bigger threat than even ISIS. I'm not sure I agree with that, 
But I think he makes an excellent point that Russia is definitely not our friend, that we have to be careful of what Russia is doing. The way I would probably put it, though, is ISIS and Russia are different threats, different kind of threats. ISIS, you know, has the threat of terrorism, which could be extremely deadly, especially if they ever got weapons of mass destruction. But Russia is a geopolitical threat, kind of like what Romney said. Now, McCain doesn't like, want us to have a pretty good relationship with Russia right now. Trump, on the other hand, has said repeatedly he wants to try and have a good relationship with Russia. In fact, just a month ago in a press conference, this is what he said about it. If NATO and our country could get along with Russia, right now we're not getting along with Russia at all. We may be at an all-time low in terms of uh, relationship with Russia. This is built for a long period of time. Uh, but we're going to see what happens. Uh, Putin is the leader of Russia. Russia is a strong country. Uh, we're a very, very strong country. We're going to see how that all works out. So there's no doubt that Trump has been friendlier towards Russia. Does that mean he's in bed with the Russians? Does that mean he's some kind of Russian spy or he colluded to win the election? No, of course, that doesn't mean that. It could just mean he wants to have a better relationship with Russia. I'm kind of in between McCain and Trump. I think Russia is an enemy of ours that we need to watch out for, especially Putin. That being said, they were a big enemy of ours during the Reagan administration. Yet Reagan still had diplomatic relations with them. Yet Reagan still had meetings with Gorbachev. Yet Reagan still tried to get you know, arms peace treaties put in place. Reagan said, trust, but verify. I think in terms of the whole Russia thing, maybe that's the best approach we can take. We have to understand that Putin's not our friend. We have to understand that Russia is trying to do bad things in the world, and we can't ignore that. We can't try to excuse that. That being said, we could still have the approach of trust, but verify, of try to still have some kind of relationship with them. Try to get things done with them. But if they, if they don't work with us, we need to call them out on it. What do you guys think? 407-916-5400. Text to 23680. This is Good Morning Orlando here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. So this is Yaffe filling in for Bud here on Good Morning Orlando. Thank you all for joining us this morning. If you want to send me a friend request on Facebook, Feel free to. We're friends anyway. So search Michael Yaffe and send a friend request. I'm getting some text on the whole uh, uh, what McCain said about Russia. A lot of different texts actually on this. Uh, One person said, I believe John McCain, the mainstream media and the Washington establishment, Democrats and Republicans, are more dangerous than Russia. Our media and politicians are dividing our country more than Russia could ever dream of. It's a little extreme, but I understand what he's saying in terms of them dividing uh, the country. Uh, Another person said, where was McCain when Obama tried to influence Israel's election? I remember that. That was a good point. Um, One person said, Iran and Korea, U.S. and Russia are fairly equal. Putin is the problem. And one person said, trust the man who illegally invaded and occupies Crimea. Trust a man who was responsible for shooting down a civilian airliner. Trust a man giving support to the Taliban? It's a good point. It's hard to trust Vladimir Putin when you talk about stuff like that. That's, that's actually very true. It's definitely hard to trust 
Vladimir Putin. He is not a nice guy. He is an evil guy. I don't, you know, I don't shy away from that. Trump tried to shy away from saying like stuff like that in the past. I don't. That being said, I think we have to have some kind of diplomatic relationship with them. We can't close them off completely. But yeah, what what um, Putin is doing is pretty bad. I mean, right now they're trying to take over the Arctic. They just built some massive base in the Arctic. They would love to get the resources up there. That's going to be a big problem for us. So that's a good point. There's no doubt that all of this Russia talk, though, a lot of it's been aimed towards Trump because of the whole um, claim, I guess you could say, that Trump colluded with the Russians. We don't even know exactly what that even means, what that even would have looked like, what collusion And, of course, there's no evidence to that. There is an investigation going on. But there was a lot of talk of impeachment for a while. Remember that? Oh, we're getting close to impeachment. Maxine Waters would talk about impeachment all the time. There were other liberals who would talk about, yes, this is going to lead to impeachment. I haven't seen as much of that lately. In fact, it seems like it's kind of toned down a little bit. Maybe appointing that special counsel to investigate kind of uh, quieted all the noise plus Trump's uh, trip overseas. But I found this uh, comment, this interview on CNN with Senator from New Jersey, Cory Booker, who no doubt doesn't like Trump, who no doubt wants to run for president in 2020. He was asked about this by uh, Dana Bash, and this is what he had to say about it. Oh, I I just want to tell you right now, I'm I'm not going to rush to uh, impeachment. Uh, I think we need to deal with this in a very sobered way. This can't be a relitigation of an election that is now passed. This has to be about an objective assessment about the facts that are going on right now. And all I know is uh, I'm very satisfied that we have an independent investigation uh, now going on uh, through the Justice Department, as well as both houses are seem to be uh, moving, uh, not as fast as I'd like, but moving towards independent congressional investigations. So there's a couple of reasons that he would have said something like that. The most obvious reason is maybe they're realizing that this isn't going to lead to impeachment. Maybe they're realizing that was going a little bit too far. And maybe they're realizing there's nothing to this. So they have to tone down that rhetoric a little bit. Of course, he's not going to get rid of it completely. He's a Democrat who's against Trump. But he's looking to the bigger picture. He's looking to 2020. Because he wants to run for president. And if the Democrats are smart, which they're usually not, but if they were smart, they would focus more on the issues at hand that the American people care about instead of constantly going on the Russia, 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 impeachment, impeachment, impeachment. He's saying maybe the best option is to beat Trump in 2020 instead of looking at impeachment right now. I just think it's very interesting, uh, kind of a little bit of a voice of reason there. Bernie Sanders, a couple weeks ago, I believe, said the same, said something similar where he says it's way too early to talk about impeachment. So they're kind of toning that down a little bit. I find that very interesting. All right, we're coming up to the bottom of the hour. Deborah Roberts is going to join us to update us on the latest news. She's going to talk about that uh, tragic attack in Afghanistan, the terrorist attack in Afghanistan, and uh, uh, a tax break for hurricane season. We'll find out what that's all about. We have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. So, Deb, I'm very curious about the tax break for hurricane season that you're going to be talking about. I mean, who doesn't like a tax break? 
But I know first you have to update us on uh, the terrorist attack, yet another terrorist attack overseas. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a powerful bomb has exploded during morning rush hour in the center of Kabul today, killing at least 80 people, wounding hundreds of others, and sending clouds of black smoke into the sky above the presidential palace and foreign embassies. The bomb, one of the deadliest in Kabul and coming at the start of the holy month of Ramadan, exploded close to the fortified entrance to the German embassy, killing a security guard and wounding some staff. The huge blast shattered windows as far as a mile away. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. And Deb, I just wanted to add, it's breaking just now. The Taliban is actually denying responsibility. Yeah, because my earlier newscast at 6 had said there was no immediate claim of responsibility. So now the Taliban has come out and said that they're not responsible. Exactly right. So, um... Still waiting for uh, who we who we are expecting it to be. That uh, leaves Al Qaeda and ISIS most most likely. Yeah, exactly. Uh, my money would go on ISIS. Yeah. Uh, this news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. And back closer to home, the hurricane season. Don't want to surprise anyone, but it officially starts tomorrow. I feel like we need some, like, terrifying music with that. Dun, dun, dun. dun. (laughs) So it's time to replenish those emergency supplies. Now, there's a three-day tax holiday beginning Friday when you can fill your bug-out bag. I like that's from our Tallahassee. Bug out bag. I don't know. What is that? When you've got a bug out and head out of town, when you're going oh, crazy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Without having to pay the usual sales tax. Now, James Miller at the Florida Retail Federation says it even applies to emergency generators costing as much as $750. I think you're going to see a lot of those go off the shelves this year, especially with Florida getting hit um, not once but twice last year by hurricanes. I think those will be really popular. Um, tarps, um, batteries, um, radios are going to be popular as always. The sales tax holiday begins at midnight Friday morning and lasts through the end of Sunday. You'll find a complete list of tax-free items at the Department of Revenue website. Lowndes County, Georgia officials are preparing for hurricane season. More than two dozen agency administrators gathered yesterday at the Lowndes County Emergency Operations Center in Valdosta. They discussed disaster preparedness nearly a year after Hurricane Hermine drew 10,000 coastal Florida panhandle residents to evacuate to South Georgia and left behind some damage. So often when we think of the last hurricane season, folks a lot of times think of Hurricane Matthew without remembering that Hurricane Hermine had also done quite a bit of damage, but yeah. it was in the panhandles. So we didn't, you know, we weren't affected by it here, but still, still Florida, it's still Florida. Uh, by the way, hurricane season officially starts tomorrow and ends November 30th. And finally, court documents are backing Tiger Woods's claim that no alcohol was involved in his arrest for DUI Monday in South Florida. The documents obtained by the Palm Beach Post show Woods was found by officers asleep behind the wheel of his vehicle in Jupiter at about 3 a.m. Monday. The documents also show that two breathalyzer tests given to the 41-year-old Woods were negative. Yeah, and that kind of contradicts the story yesterday saying he denied a breathalyzer. Right, exactly. But according to this, he didn't. And so very interesting. And as well, the earlier reports had said that the officer had smelled alcohol on his breath. When in actuality, both breathalyzers, he blew triple zeros. So this is probably an example of we should know all the facts before making rash judgments. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, nobody's going nobody's gonna to take that lesson. Ew, come on. <laughs> not in today's uh, world. Uh, that's not definitely not the takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> but if you'd like to, to get more details on Tiger's story and more, you can find it at 1025wfla.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando with Mike Yaffe continues now. 
Yes, and we're going to move on to the Bloomberg Business Report. Gina Cervetti is going to join us and talk about the latest going on in the world of business. Good morning, Gina. How are you? Good morning, Michael. How are you? Behind the mic today. Yes, I am. I'm behind <laughs> the mic today. Yeah, I'm, surprise. Surprise. <laughs> we hey. Usually, we usually have Good a little comment. Good to have coming. you. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, so uh, what do the futures look like today? Well, the futures are a little changed to higher this morning as investors yesterday returned from the holiday and sent shares down just a little bit here. Not too bad. The Dow was down about 51 points, closed at 21,029. The S&P fell three points, about a tenth of a percent to 2413. The Nasdaq dropped seven to 6203. We do have crude oil down about 2% this morning at $48.68 a barrel. And this is coming amid doubts that prolonged cuts by OPEC and its allies will succeed in clearing a surplus while U.S. output remains very resilient. So what are some of the other things we need to watch out for today? Well, we'll get an update on mortgage application activity, and we also get a look at pending home sales. Now, later on, the Federal Reserve releases its beige book of economic activity in the 12 banking regions. That includes Atlanta, which covers Florida. We have some earnings out today from some retailers, Michael Kors and Vera Bradley. Later on, we hear from Hewlett Packard Enterprise. All right. And Amazon, their shares briefly touched a new milestone. Mm -hmm. What's that all about? Yep, Amazon shares rose briefly just above $1,000 for the first time, marking that new wow. milestone for the company that's wooing investors by dominating online commerce and also cloud computing. Amazon hit an intraday high of $1,001.20 before ending the day little changed at almost $997. Now, the stock is up almost 40% from a year ago, but investors are thinking about how much further it can grow as it tries to replicate its U.S. success abroad. You know, if I had a time machine, <laughs> I think I know what I would go back in time and do and invest in. I'm just I'm just saying. All right. And another alarm bell about how some auto loan borrowers may be struggling. Yes, fewer subprime borrowers are paying off their auto loans early, a possible sign that consumers with weaker credit scores are struggling more, according to a report by Wells Fargo researchers. Borrowers are already defaulting on a growing amount of auto debt. Growth in auto debt since the financial crisis is setting off alarm bells on Wall Street and among regulators who are concerned that borrowers may be overburdened. And this is happening while used car prices are falling. Government enforcement officials have expressed concern that the lenders may be making loans that borrowers can't repay and packaging them into bonds that investors are then willing to buy. Oh, great. A subprime car loan crisis now. Yes, just this is, <laughs> just this is becoming need. an issue. I'm starting to hear more and more about this, this uh, situation where people oh. are taking long auto loans and then they're turning their cars in when the car is worth uh, less than they owe on the vehicle. And then they're rolling it into new loans. So... Wow. Yeah, definitely something we're going to have to watch out for in the future. All right, Gina, thank you so much, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. All right, have a great day. So there seems to be more evidence out there that we are never going to really appeal repeal Obamacare. I'm going to talk about that, and we have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is tempering expectations that the Senate will pass an overhaul of the nation's health care system promising his colleagues a vote, but not success. That's according to the Hill publication. I read that yesterday, and my first thought was, we're never going to repeal this, are we? We're never going to get this done, are we? 
It sure doesn't seem like it. By the way, this is Michael Yaffe, the producer. You know, my voice filling in for Bud. Bud's uh, on a little bit of a vacation, but he will be back next week. You can send me a friend request on Facebook if you'd like. Uh, Just search Michael Yaffe, send me a friend request. I will accept it. Or you can follow me on Twitter at Beyond Reason R. I had actually posted this on my Facebook yesterday and got a lot of interesting reaction. Mitch McConnell says uh, he says he will bring a bill to the floor for a vote, but is not making any promises whether he will get at least 50 members of the 52-member Senate Republican Conference to back it. So that shows strong leadership, right? From Mitch McConnell, that we're really going to get this done, that we're really looking forward to a free market solution to healthcare. Uh, no, no, but it's Mitch McConnell. I mean, he's not really big on showing strong leadership. I just feel like some days we're just not going to get this done, and the solutions are easy. Rand Paul had a really great plan, the best solutions. But uh, speaking on this subject, I happened to catch an interview with Charlie Rose from Senator Ben Sass. Now, I know a lot of you probably don't like Ben Sass because he was not the biggest Trump fan. But whether you think of him on that regard, he's a big, he's a really strong conservative, and he's really great on issues like this. By the way, he has a new book out called The Vanishing American Adult. I'm listening to the audiobook right now in the middle of it. It is great. It is fantastic. I would highly, highly recommend it to anyone. But he was talking with Charlie Rose, and he was talking about, and I think he's exactly right here, how we're not really discussing the right things when it comes to health care in this country. This is what he said. So I, I want to fully repeal and replace Obamacare, but Republicans are, you know, naive isn't exactly the right word, but we're um, regularly talking to the public as if the problems in American health care began with Obamacare. And obviously, health care reform was needed before Obamacare. There are a whole bunch of structural problems in American health care. Clinton tried Exactly. We, ha- we are not doing the things you need to do to create a system where there's portability of health insurance across job and geographic change. Now, the political continuum from left to right should be about the debate about how much decentralized market mechanism you want in creating that portability or how much state control you want in creating that portability. But we should all agree that we want a system where there's uh, health insurance coverage that goes with you across job and geographic change. Well... You would think we would all agree, but many people don't agree, and many in Congress don't agree. He's right. That is the biggest challenge with so much job change out there. You would need health insurance that follows you from job to job. The Democrats think the solution is just a single-payer socialist system, but the Republicans, they're not really looking at it the way they should. And I think Ben Sass is exactly right. And he continues on with that point here. Right now, we're not usually focused on the right things. One party is trying to defend Obamacare and the other party is trying to criticize and attack Obamacare. But we're not talking about where we're trying to get. Right now, Republicans in the Senate are trying to get 50 of 52 of us, then plus Mike Pence, the vice president, as a tiebreaker, to use reconciliation to change Obamacare. But it's not going to fix the structural problems that are deeper than just the Obamacare architecture. I wish we were having a conversation about what kind of health care system we want in 10 years, and I wish both parties were participating in that. Right now, it's a one-party discussion. The Democrats, for a whole host of reasons, don't want to talk with us, and some Republicans think it's not necessary necessary to talk to Democrats. And so we're having this conversation about 51 votes. We should be doing things that are more like 70% solution. Well, the problem is, is 
exactly what he said. The Democrats don't want to talk about it because the Democrats either want to keep Obamacare or they want a single-payer system. They want to go more in that direction. But he's exactly right. We're not talking about the right things. We're not talking about the future. We're not talking about the core problems in our healthcare system that are raising costs. I think his comments are well said. Now, he talks about some of the solutions, some of the real core problems in our healthcare system. And I'll talk about some of the solutions and how we can fix some of this. And we'll take your calls as well. 407-916-5400. Text to 23680. This is Good Morning Orlando. So we've been playing some comments from Nebraska Senator Ben Sass, a very conservative Republican was not the biggest fan of Trump, so I know that means a lot of people might not like him for that reason. But I think on the issues, he is very good, especially on issues like health care. His new book is very good as well. I would highly recommend it. But in the age where Mitch McConnell doesn't seem to really want to show true leadership and really repealing Obamacare, and then you look at polls that show the House bill was unpopular, the Republicans, it seemed like, seems like, are just going to cave. And it seems like we're never going to get rid of Obamacare, even though that's a big reason why we sent many of these Tea Party Republicans to Washington in the first place. I wish they would show some guts and actually get this done. But Ben Sass, and I played in the last segment, makes some good points that we're not really talking about what we need to be talking about when it comes to health care. That the issue is not just insurance coverage. You know, Obamacare helped some people because it covered some people. Of course, a lot of people lost their coverage because premiums went up even more. And young people just said, they're just going to pay the tax penalty. And of course, the employer mandate caused problems in the job force. And we've talked all about that. But what are the core issues? What is the core problem in our healthcare system? The politicians really don't want to address this usually. But Ben Sass here on the Charlie Rose show actually does address it. And I think he's exactly right. This is what he said. The number one problem in American healthcare is that we don't have prices. That's why you don't get any higher quality, lower cost care over time. In almost every other sector of the economy, we expect that you're going to get higher quality, cheaper stuff over time. Technology yields higher quality, lower cost goods and services over time. We don't have that happening in healthcare, And one of the most basic reasons why is we don't have any pricing. And so we, American healthcare is dominated by third party payment. That's primarily governmental third-party payment, and we pretend. Medicare, Medicaid, and you know, so about sixty cents on every dollar spent in American healthcare is touches the government somehow. That's a pretty stunning stat, is it not? That much money from the government touches healthcare somehow. And he makes a good point as well that, you know, there were problems before Obamacare. Obamacare just made a lot of them worse. But there were problems and there was needed reform before Obamacare. But he says the core issue, and I agree with him, is that we're not ever looking at prices in health care. Prices in our health care costs. Why is that? Because there's always a third-party person, a third-party entity, whether it's the federal government. A lot of times, like he said, it is the federal government. Or the insurance company is paying for that. And while in other types of insurance, like car insurance, for example, we don't, it doesn't work that way. Insurance really should be about catastrophic things. In the healthcare, it's cover it's in everything. So there's no relationship between the consumer 
and the cost of the different health care you're getting. Imagine if we could somehow get reforms in place that addresses that, that gives the individual more power over what they're, they're paying. Rain Paul has made the point before that in cataract surgery, cataract surgery and LASIK and so forth, has the prices have been going down because that's outside of the usual healthcare system. And people shop around for the best price, which adds competition, which uh, it has an incentive for more efficiency. But that's not what's help- happening in our healthcare system. And the Democrats want to go more into government control. Government control is already there, as Ben Sass pointed out, and it's just made the problem even worse. The problem is cost. And nobody's willing to address that as the real issue to get the cost, not just of insurance down, but of health care down. If we could address that issue, maybe we can move forward in this country on health care. So I agree with him. I thought he made some good points. All right, we're coming to the top of the hour. And Deborah Roberts is going to update us on the latest news, including that deadly attack, terrorist attack in the Afghan capital and fewer troopers and fewer tickets. Might be some good news. We'll find out what Deborah Roberts is talking about there. It is 6.59. 11-year-old girl forced to marry her rapist from a church in Florida. That's going to be the big story we're going to discuss this half hour. Of course, we have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 102.5 WFLA. It's Good Morning Orlando. And filling in for Bud, I'm your host, Michael Yaffe. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning, scores are killed in an Afghan attack. And fewer troopers means fewer tickets. But it's not all good news. We'll have the details in one minute. So we're going to take your calls on that. Underage marriage is still legal in Florida. Should it be? We'll take your calls and texts on that next. Good Wednesday morning at 7.02 on News Radio 102.5. A massive explosion rocked a highly secure diplomatic area of Kabul this morning, killing 80 people and wounding as many as 350 others and left a scene of mayhem and destruction and sent a huge plume of smoke over the Afghan capital. The target of the attack, which officials say was a suicide car bombing, isn't immediately known. It was one of the worst attacks Kabul has seen, though, since the drawdown of foreign forces at the end of 2014. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Back in the Sunshine State, the Florida Highway Patrol is issuing a lot fewer tickets these days because there's a trooper shortage. Captain Jeffrey Basanthi says they've got 200 vacant positions and are training people as fast as they can at the FHP Academy. 63 new troopers are on the road, and we currently have 25 more uh, recruit troopers at, at the academy. And uh, we have another academy beginning in October. So our recruitment numbers are, are, are up. Well, the recruiting isn't the problem. It's retention. Troopers can make more money working as cops or deputies. In fact, 1,000 of them have resigned or retired since 2010, which is about half the FHP force. Yeah, I was going to ask you why. What's the reason? But you just answered it. It's yeah, money. It's money. I mean, yeah. it's just and troopers in the state of Florida have it a lot harder than troopers in many other states. You know, they they do nothing really but respond to traffic accidents and crashes. And they're some of the lowest, not just in the state of Florida, but even across the country. Wow. Yeah. So the next time you have to wait three, you know, that's the other issue for us as drivers is you get into a minor fender bender and you need to take a police report. They're talking of waits of two to three hours. Two to three hours? Well, they don't have enough troopers. And those are the ones who respond. Wow. Yeah. So that's, a, it, that's an angle I didn't really think about. Exactly. 
So it might be. I mean, seem, people, yeah, some people might be happy. Hey, fewer tickets, but. Yeah, but that also means you have a minor fender bender. You're going to be spending a good part of your day just waiting to make a police report. Yeah, no thanks. Yeah, exactly. A suspected murderer claims he was being patriotic when he allegedly stabbed two men to death on an Oregon passenger train. Jeremy Christian was arraigned in Portland yesterday on two counts of aggravated murder and another count of attempted murder. Police say Christian stabbed three men who intervened when he allegedly shouted anti-Muslim slurs at two women on the train last week. In the courtroom yesterday, Christian shouted, quote, you call it terrorism, I call it patriotism, end quote. Fifteen years after rescue and recovery efforts at Ground Zero ended, the National September 11th Memorial and Museum is unveiling plans for a new shrine in Lower Manhattan. Have you heard about this? No, I have not. Well, the permanent dedication uh, to all the workers will go up on the southwest corner of the plaza near the survivor tree. Former Mayor Mike Bloomberg, Governor Andrew Cuomo, and former Daily Show host John Stewart are involved and hope the honor reminds people of the health battles many in uniform still face. Yeah. The announcement comes after Sunday's death of retired firefighter Ray Pfeiffer, who fought a 9-11 cancer while repeatedly pushing for federal money to help sick and injured first responders. That's a, that's a cool addition. It really it's kinda, is. It's kind of something I think a lot of people don't really think about in terms of that memorial, but I think it's needed. I think it is absolutely because so many of the firefighters and other first responders, you know, they had friends who were killed in the attack. You know, there were some yep. of the first people that were on that pile of wreckage that day. And to think that they've continued to suffer after the attacks just adds insult to injury. Yeah. And finally, in honor of the National Spelling Bee, which starts today, Google decided to see which words people in or what words rather people in each of the 50 states struggle to spell. Uh, they don't. So to do this. This is not my forte spelling. Oh, that's all right. To do this, it looked at Google searches of how to spell underline in each state from January 1st to April 30th. Whatever word filled that blank most often in each state became denoted as the state's most misspelled word. The results may not be scientific, Yaffe, but boy, they sure are amusing. (laughs) Okay. Let's kick it off with my home state of Wisconsin, where folks apparently most frequently search for how to spell Wisconsin. (laughs) I'd be Uh. embarrassed, but at the moment, I'm just too proud. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't think that was a the hard state to spell, but no, I didn't either. I didn't either. But hey, Mississippians have trouble spelling nanny. Nanny? Yeah. But they can spell the third state. <laughs> they can, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The longest word Americans didn't know how to spell, searched for by both West Virginia and Connecticut users, was also an invented one. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. The word that the magic nanny Mary yes. Poppins sang about for us here in Florida. The most misspelled word? Florida? <laughs> no. Okay, good. One that can you makes you go, okay, all right, I get it. Receipt. Oh, because... The whole I before E uh, except, except after, after C. C. I've probably spelled that one wrong yeah. a couple of times. So we get receipt. I, I would not <laughs> I would not do good in a spelling bee. No? No, not. I was never good at spelling, well, even when I was younger. There's uh, the youngest, I believe she's only six years old, is competing this year. Great. I know. An overachiever showing me up. <laughs> <laughs> You've got one of those bumper stickers on the back of your car, didn't you? 
Which one? My dad beat up your honor roll student. <laughs> no, I got good grades in school. <laughs> hey, everyone's, Believe it or not. Everyone's forte is different, right? <laughs> yeah. WFLA News Time at 7.08. And you can read about that late night Trump tweet that has big data scratching its head. The president has since responded. He has. Yes, he has. What did he say? Asking people, can you figure out what Kofifi means? So now Enjoy. <laughs> It's <laughs> actually a pretty good response. I like it. It really is. It's not bad. Talk about instant. It's got to uh, be a typo. <laughs> it's got to be, but he's having fun with it. <laughs> get your uh, get get up on the story yourself at 1025wfla.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando with Mike Yaffe starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando with Bud Hedinger and Deborah Roberts on News Radio 1025. So here is the question of the half hour. Why is underage marriage still legal in Florida? Should it still be legal in Florida? And if so, what's the age cutoff? Right now, there isn't an age cutoff. I'm going to get to a story that shows some of the real negative ramifications of that still being allowed And we'll talk about that. You can call 407-916-5400. Text to 23680. We'll get to that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. And this is Yaffe, the producer, filling in for Bud. If you want to send me a friend request on Facebook, feel free to. Just search Michael Yaffe, and I will accept it. Or you can follow me on Twitter at Beyond Reason R. I posted, I actually posted this story on my Facebook yesterday, and it got quite a bit of reaction to it. And I could see why, because when you read the headline, and it's a headline right out here out of Florida, um, it, it grabs your attention. I, I found this from uh, The Independent, the UK Independent, but it was also reported in the New York Times and other sources. It says, here's the headline, 11-year-old girl forced to marry her rapist from a church in Florida. That's what the woman is claiming. Her name is Sherry Johnson. She says she was raped four times by members of her family's church congregation as a child. As a result, she became pregnant at age 10. When investigators began looking into her case, she claims her family tried to protect her rapist by forcing her to marry him. Miss Johnson says, my mom asked me if I wanted to get married and I said, I don't know. What is marriage? How do I act like a wife? That's what she told the New York Times. She said, well, I guess you're just going to get married. Florida, an issue that pertains to our state, obviously, is one of 27 U.S. states that permits children of any age to be married with their parents' permission. Now, someone pointed out to me yesterday that it still has to be approved by a judge. But at any age, with the parent's permission and approved by a judge, can get married in the state of Florida. A 10-year-old. An 8-year-old, I guess. How is this still legal? I can't really see how this could be legal, especially any age. Some might make arguments for 17 or 16, marrying an 18-year-old or something like that. Even I think that I wouldn't support that you know if i had a family member who wanted to do that but 11 and forced to marry by a rapist that's one of the negative ramifications of a law like this 
Ms. Johnson says her marriage kept her from attending school regularly. Instead, she took care of their children. She gave birth to nine in total and fought with her husband over finances. It was a terrible life, she said. The marriage, of course, eventually dissolved, as most underage marriages do. She later wrote a book about her story called Forgiving the Unforgivable. The story inspired Florida State Representative Cynthia Stafford to sponsor a bill outlawing child marriage in Florida. Cynthia says marriage is an adult responsibility. We don't want them to vote. We don't want them to drink alcohol. They can't have a car. And we allow them to marry under 16? Makes a lot of sense to me. I don't really see the argument here for allowing this to happen, allowing this to be legal. But apparently it's still a big issue. In fact, New Jersey tried to pass a law against child marriages and the governor vetoed it. Couldn't get it done. Somebody tell me why this should still be legal. Do you think it's time to outlaw underage marriages in Florida? 407-916-5400. Text to 23680. I want your take on this. And I would love a take by anybody who has an argument to keep it. Well, if she was 10 years old and raped four t- three times, there's a crime here. Why hasn't that been prosecuted or investigated? Yeah, that's true as well. She says the marriage was to cover up the crime. Yeah, right. Which is another angle to this whole story. 407-916-5400. Text to 23680. It is 7-19 on Good Morning Orlando. Yes, and this is Yaffe filling in for Bud. Bud will be back next week. Mark Logus will be filling in um, for the rest of the week, tomorrow and Friday. If you have any calls, you can call 407-916-5400 or you can text to 23680 if you have any comments on what we were talking about. The story just amazed me about this 11-year-old girl who was forced to marry her rapist in Florida. They said uh, they did the underage marriage because she got pregnant and they wanted to cover up the rape. And obviously it didn't work out. She said it was a terrible life. And it begs the question, why is this still legal? And apparently it's a, it's legal in other states as well. Florida is just one of 27 U.S. states. And we're not talking, you know, 16. You can get married at 16 or 15. We're talking any age with the permission of parents. I can't seem to find a good argument to keep this around. But New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, uh, he vetoed a law that would have outlawed child marriage without exception. He said an exclusion without exceptions would violate the cultures and traditions of some communities in New Jersey's in New Jersey based on religious traditions. So some are saying it's a religious argument to keep this around. I'm not sure I can go that far with you. I don't know any church that would think that was a good idea. Let's take some calls on this. Let's go to uh, Ben in Claremont. Ben, how are you this morning? Pretty good, Yaffe. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. What do you think about this? Should, is it time to outlaw underage marriages in the state? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's insane. Uh, I mean, it's still uh, legal. You know, I was uh, talking to the screener. When I was a teen here, and usually it was if you got a girl pregnant and one or both of you were under 18, you went to south of the border, South Carolina, and got married. But I don't know if parental consent was 
in play then. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know either. So, but you're saying it should definitely be outlawed. All right, thank you for your call, Ben. I'm getting some texts on this. You can text to 23680. One person said, how can all these women's movement not be against this marriage of a child? Forcing a woman, a girl, child to do something against her will, sh- something should be done about this. Uh, another person says, well, there, was there a wedding ceremony in jail? No, apparently not. And one person said, that's insane. Absolutely should be outlawed. It is an adult responsibility, not one a child is capable of fulfilling. Of course, another angle I was thinking about on this is, you know, a lot of people think a child can determine whether they're a boy or a girl, right? You know, we have those sex change operations of young kids where it's a boy but thinks he's a girl. And the parents say, well, the kid's, you know, old enough to understand that. Happens really young sometimes, eight years old. I guess if we're going to allow them to do that, we can just allow them to get married as well. Uh, I don't think this is a good idea. All right, let's go to Darlene in Orlando. Darlene, how are you? That was just fine. I agree with you totally. I, when you brought up religious reasons, I can see if they want to do some kind of commitment ceremony. But the idea of actually consummating a marriage and getting married at a ridiculously young age is, like, you, like one caller said or texts her, where are the women's rights movement right now? And it is the world thinks that a five-year-old can decide if they're a boy or a girl. So I guess this probably sounds sane to some people. <laughs> I guess, even though it would probably be the opposite, people. I mean, I don't know. I can't, I can't think of a good argument. Um, thank you for your card, Darlene. I can't think of a good argument to keep this law in place. I haven't really got a good argument. There's Some have said religious reasons. I don't know, but especially when you're looking at um, at an 11-year-old. One person just texted in an interesting comment, said, under Florida law, a child cannot legally consent to sexual activity till 18 years of age. How can a child consent to marriage, which obviously includes sexual activity? Says, this is one perverted sickle law that needs to be removed. It's actually a good point, and think about that. It's illegal for that child to have sex, but she can get married? It's just crazy. I think it's time to support get, um, a law banning this. All right, we have Deborah Roberts who's going to come in at the bottom of the hour and update us on the latest news, including that terrorist attack in Afghanistan. And a Star Wars lightsaber league is growing. About to find out more about that. It is 729 on Good Morning Orlando. Well, good morning, Deb. Good morning, Mike. Glad you could join us in the studio right now. You have to update us on the latest news. I'm very curious about this lightsaber league that you say is growing. We're going to get to that. But of course, um, more serious news with the attack, the terrorist attack in Afghanistan. Tell us about that. Well, we still have no claim of responsibility, but we can tell you who isn't responsible, and that is the Afghan Taliban says it is not responsible for that car bomb explosion that killed about 80 people and wounded more than 350 in Kabul. The powerful bomb exploded at the peak of rush hour when the streets of Kabul were packed with commuters. The Taliban released a statement condemning untargeted attacks that caused civilian casualties. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank. Florida's hometown bank. So ISIS hasn't said anything yet, it looks like. No, exactly. Still no statement yet. So still still waiting for word on who's behind the attack, but it's the uh, authorities are saying it's one of the worst car bomb attacks in Kabul in years, four to five years. Yeah, I mean, 80 
people dead. 80 people. That's yeah. pretty bad. Yeah. Many of them said to be women and children as well. Yeah, these terrorists don't care about that. That's no. become obvious. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They really don't. And it says something when one terrorist group comes out and says, hey, we didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, we're so, not we're that not bad. Any, yeah. We're not <laughs> that's that a very, bad. That's a very good point, actually. You know, I thought that was interesting. It used to be back in the day, it seemed like they couldn't rush out fast enough to claim responsibility. And today we've got, you know, one terrorist organization coming out and saying, we aren't that bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Taliban's trying to take control of the country, and they don't want to look too bad. I mean, exactly. There's wanna politics see, involved there. They want to appear legitimate. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Good luck with that. <laughs> Back here stateside, a San Diego-based Star Wars lightsaber league is growing. But I suspect that after doing this story, I wouldn't be surprised if we found out we have our own lightsaber leagues here and if they're oh, growing. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure they. I'm sure we do. Well, the league is called the Underground Lightsaber Fighters of San Diego, and members gather each month at Balboa Park. Participants say they're sci-fi enthusiasts, really, who enjoy (laughs) what they call simulated saber combat. When the fighters come together, they must have their own protective gear, and there are rankings, just like any other sport. I'm sure this exists in Florida. The creator of the group says nerds no longer have to stay in the basement. Of course not. No. This definitely exists here. I've seen it. Have you really? UCF. Students do it all the time. Do they really? Yeah, they gather on uh, the uh, memory mall and have at it. No gear, though. <laughs> I haven't seen any uh, safety gear. They must be hardcore. Okay. Oh, they're, they're the legit lightsaber league. Like the, <laughs> That's funny. The rugby of lightsaber leagues. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is, is this anywhere near where, Yaffe, you used to see the sign spinners who would gather to practice the art of sign spinning? I remember that. That's a thing? I believe Apparently it. Apparently it is. That, I believe when it. I went to UCF, that was definitely a thing. I would go to... Uh, Lake Clare out by UCF, and there was a park out there, and a bunch of sign spinners would go out and practice their sign spinning routines. Yeah, I guess you got to have a hobby. I guess. I guess. I, I think every parent who's writing a check to UCF is probably silently weeping into their coffee, knowing that that good money is going towards spinners <laughs> practicing in the field and the lightsaber league. Okay, yeah. there's a future. Well, and, Go and, education. Yay. In terms of the lightsaber league, though, I know there's something similar because I had some friends that actually were involved in this where um, it was called a dag year, I think, or something like that, where they actually have like fake swords and they kind of dress up as knights and they actually have like mock battles. Oh, yeah. You can Google a knight in the city streets, you know, and, and you will see things, people dressed as knights and carrying swords in areas and places you just... Defies exp- explanation. Yeah, and this was like a legit club with rules and rankings, like everything you said. Yeah, well, very you know, interesting. It it makes sense when you think that there's Quidditch matches out there. People riding broomsticks or really running around on broomsticks. I was about to say they know that they don't fly, right? You bite your tongue. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> Muggle. All right, a Los Angeles Back to the Future fan has a speeding ticket to remember. Spencer White was doing 88 miles per hour Friday. <laughs> In his Mm -hmm. 1982 DeLorean sports car when the California Highway Patrol pulled him over. Now, when Dr. Emmett Brown's DeLorean time machine would hit 88 miles per hour in the 1985 movie, Back to the Future, the flux capacitor would be activated and the passenger inside would then travel through time. But that's not what happened to White. The Santa Clarita Valley resident says the cop was almost as excited as he was. (laughs) 
when he checked the radar gun and saw the figure. That's funny. Even offered Spencer, hey, you want to take a picture of the radar gun? And <laughs> then he handed them. I would be excited Ex- too, actually. Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, there was no flux capacitor on board, so White didn't get a trip back to the future. Oh, he left the flux capacitor at home? He did. However, oh, okay. he, he did get a speeding so- ticket, though. <laughs> That's going to probably carry. He was carry, just speeding. He was just speeding. He's probably going to carry a hefty fine, unless he lucks out, and the judge is a Marty McFly fan, too. Yeah, or he could go get the flux capacitor, exactly. go back in time. <laughs> Somehow stop the trooper, <laughs> but then that you know creates a paradox, and you can't have ripples like that in the universe. <laughs> exactly. Right. I have one problem with this story. Uh oh. One problem. What is it? The original DeLoreans only went up to eighty-five miles an hour. Did they really? They painted on ninety on the speedometer for the movie. Really? Yeah. Wow. So this guy either souped up his uh, DeLorean, or maybe he really was from the future. Huh. I don't, I'm still flabbergasted someone can call it a sports car and only go to 85. I don't know. I just, <laughs> right. I, I, just then, right. I mean, you know the 80s. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, all right, Deb, is that it? That's it for right now. I'll be back at 8. All right. Well, that was a lot of fun, but we have to have more fun because we have sound judgment coming up next. You can call 407-916-5400 for your chance to win a great prize for sound judgment. 407 407- 916-5400. We have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. Yes, and this is Yaffe, the producer, filling in for Bud. Bud will be back next week. We have Mark Logus, Professor Mark Logus, coming in uh, tomorrow and Friday as well to host. But right now, it's time to move on to some fun and games, sound judgment, and wait until you hear the cut I'm going to play for sound judgment. It might be my favorite sound cut of all time, believe it or not. But before we get to that, we have Mr. Michael, who's going to tell us what they can win today. Our winner today gets a copy of Greatest Landscape, stunning photographs that inspire and astonish from National Geographic. Available now in bookstores everywhere. Plus, you'll also get a Beyond Reason Radio prize pack. From the majestic nature landscape to the next, this iconic collection of National Geographic's photography of the world's most beautiful locations paired with illuminating insights from celebrated photographers. This beautiful book weaves a vibrant tapestry of images that readers will turn to again and again. Get it turned to because it's a book. (laughs) So what you can have is you can have that book on your coffee table and next to it you can have a Beyond Reason radio pen. I hear the host of Beyond Reason. I hear he's pretty good. I don't know. That's the rumor going around. But anyway, it's got excellence written all over it. (laughs) Yes. You can call 407-916-5400 when someone gets a wrong answer. So I want you to listen to this sound cut and use your sound judgment to tell me who is answering the question here. Here it is. What keeps you awake at night? Nothing. I keep other people awake at night. (laughs) I love that. Oh, this is the best cut of all time. What keeps you awake at night? Nothing. I keep other people awake at night. Oh, Liam Neeson has got nothing on this guy. Let's play it one more time, Tom Benson, if you can. Sorry about that. I I just love it so much. Go ahead. What keeps you awake at night? Nothing. I keep other people awake at night. (laughs) This is fantastic. All right, let's see. User sound judgment. Who, Who was saying that? I keep other people awake at night. Let's go to line one. Who said that? Nancy Pelosi. Uh, well, I mean, Nancy Pelosi could keep some people awake, but not for the reasons this guy was saying. Uh, let's go to line two. Line two, who was that speaking? Kathy Griffin. 
Kathy Griffin. I mean, I mean, she's kind of scary too. But no, let's go to line three. Who is that? Who answered that question? That is our defense secretary, Mathis. You are exactly right, Mad Dog Mattis. He was actually the that answer. That is to correct. <laughs> he, he was the answer to the question yesterday as well. And sound judgment, if you were paying attention. Yeah, that but... was great. <laughs> <laughs> but I I heard that cut yesterday, and I ha- I had to include it in the show today. I mean, what did you think about what he said? Excellent. Finally. <laughs> Finally, somebody with, <laughs> yeah. with a good sense of humor and actually know what they're doing. That's how you do it. You know, you talk about a good sense of humor. I think it was uh, beyond a good sense of humor. I think he actually meant it. I think oh. in terms of oh, Secretary absolutely. of Defense, he's like, I mean, you want that guy protecting this country. That's- that is correct. I I uh, I just loving it. This is great. All right. Uh, what what's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, this is Christine from Apopka. Hey, Christine. All right. Excited about the prize? Are you kidding? Yes, I love that. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. We'll put you on hold, and uh, congratulations on that. Michael will tell you how you can uh, get that prize. Uh, I still think it's the best sound cut we've ever played on this show ever. I just, I mean, it's like out of a movie. I mean, you just want that guy protecting this country, I think. All right, we have the Rush Morning Update coming up in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. So I talked about uh, the effort to repeal Obamacare in the first hour, about how um, the Republicans, it seems like this is never going to get done. Um, we're not addressing the real problem, one, but two, McConnell's not showing any leadership. They're trying to tamp down F saying, oh, they're going to vote, but it might not pass and all this stuff. I got an email from a listener who emails me a bunch. This is what he said. He says, Yaffe, you cannot say what the real problem is working for the Romney media. He says, because I work for, quote, Romney media. You know, Mitt Romney's on the phone. He's telling me what I can and cannot tell you. Do you know that, you know that Tom Benson? I saw the talking points, yeah. Yeah, yeah you did. They, they put that down. You cannot say this about Obamacare because you work for the Romney media. His point is that Bain Capital had um, bought Clear Channel, which I worked for iHeartMedia, which was Clear Channel at the time. So apparently, and Romney's, I mean, that <laughs> was years ago, but because of Romney is still making sure that I cannot. This is how stupid conspiracy theories start. Yeah. Um, th- I mean, this is not the first time someone's blasted me for that. I remember years ago, we tried to get, uh, we had the last election, even before Trump, we had Rick Santorum on, mm-hmm. and somebody said, why didn't you get Ron Paul on? It's because your your company won't let you do it. <laughs> um, no, it's because he didn't want to come on. We yeah. would have loved to have had Ron Paul on. Trust me, nobody in the Romney media is telling me what to say. Everybody loves a good conspiracy. Yeah, he says the problem is the Republicans want Obamacare. Okay, there's a there's an argument to be made there that there are a lot of Republicans who are too afraid to get rid of it, and some even want it. He said this is why 100% of the U.S. Senate Republicans voted for ACA, the Affordable Care Act, moments after, he says, lying Ted Cruz's fake filibuster. And he says Rand Paul voted for it, too. I mean, it's not quite the same thing that has to do with the budget and everything else that kept Obamacare in place that some voted for. You could say that was not taking the stand like you want. It's not quite the same thing as saying they wanted to keep Obamacare. Rand Paul has voted against many budgets as well. He's got a good plan to repeal it 
out there as well. But, I mean, despite all that, that's an interesting debate you can have on whether you trust the, the Republicans in Congress. But to say I'm afraid, I can't have an opinion on it because the Romney media. The Romney media tells me what to say. <laughs> it's just it's just laughable. I mean, it's a perfect example of how stupid conspiracy theories start out there. I just had to share that. All right, in the next hour, Kathy Griffin posts a picture of her holding a se- Trump's severed head, bloodied severed head, caused a lot of backlash. Um, what? How did we get to this point in politics in this country? We're going to talk about that, and Deborah Roberts is going to come in and update us on the latest news as well at the top of the hour. It's 7.59 on Good Morning Orlando. Kathy Griffin posts a picture of what's supposed to look like Trump's severed bloody head. She has since apologized for it. But my question for this half hour, how did we get to this point in politics? We're going to talk about that. We have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic as well. Welcome to Good Morning Orlando. I'm Michael Yaffe, filling in for Bud. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning, scores are killed in an Afghan attack. And Gay Days has begun in Orlando. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. We're going to play the audio of Kathy Griffin's apology and ask, are we in a real political crisis where it comes to the point where we do stuff like this and think it's okay? We're going to talk about that this half hour. Good Wednesday morning. It's 8.02 on News Radio 1025. A car bomb in Kabul's diplomatic district has killed at least 80 people and wounded around 350 others. Officials tell Al Jazeera today's blast was one of the biggest to have hit the capital of Afghanistan. Earlier reports said the bomb went off near the German embassy, but a police spokesman says several other important offices, including embassies, are in that area too, so it's still hard to say exactly what the target was. It happened at the peak of rush hour when the streets of Kabul were packed with commuters, and there's still no immediate claim of responsibility. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. A man carrying a fake gun at Orlando International Airport is in custody after a more than two and a half hour standoff. Orlando Police Chief John Mina said officers responded to reports of an armed man on the first floor of the airport in the car rental area last night in Terminal A. And Mina also praised crisis negotiators for peacefully ending the standoff. Uh, Our negotiators did a phenomenal job uh, talking with the subject for about two hours and finally got him to peacefully surrender. The man identified as Michael Pettigrew was taken into custody after talking to a crisis negotiator. Police say everyone is safe and no shots were fired. The suspect has been committed for mental evaluation. Meanwhile, regular operations are resuming at OIA after the standoff. In other local news, Gay Days has begun in Orlando. What started as a one-day visit to Disney World among friends has turned into a Central Florida tradition and an economic powerhouse. Steve Eriks is creative director of Gay Days, and he says that this event, the first since the Pulse tragedy, sees a renewed sense of community. There seems to be a much more sincere interest of wanting to support the, the community. And since we have partnered with the One Pulse Foundation, I mean, the tremendous amount of support in wanting to support the memorial um, definitely has created a larger awareness of gay days in our 27th year. Hard to believe it's been 27 years. Security is something that's tighter this year, but he says everybody is understanding and respectful of that. 
However, a Pulse nightclub shooting survivor is dead after a holiday weekend road wreck. The Florida Highway Patrol said 20-year-old Pulse patron Jackie Sevilla was one of two drivers who died in a wreck late Monday on State Road 417. Authorities say the woman who made it out of the nightclub unscathed last June 12th initiated the crash when her vehicle drifted from southbound traffic into northbound lanes. A 53-year-old Lakeland woman died in the crash while three of her passengers survived. And finally, we may never know what Kofifi means. Never, huh? No, just after midnight, President Trump tweeted, quote, despite the negative press, Kofifi. After the post <laughs> had been up for around an hour, Kofifi uh-huh. was yes. the number one trending topic on Twitter in the U.S. Jimmy Kimmel weighed in on the mystery, tweeting, quote, what makes me saddest is that I know I'll never write anything funnier than hashtag Kofifi. <laughs> By the time the sun rose in Washington, Trump's tweet was deleted and replaced with what seems to be a challenge. Quote, who can figure out the true meaning of Kofifi, the president wrote, adding, enjoy. <laughs> I, I have to admit, I love that, actually. <laughs> I think I that's too. what I would do in that situation. <laughs> yeah, what does it mean? <laughs> so he actually deleted the original tweet he that did. had it. Yeah, exactly, and uh, replaced it with the a, challenge. I think it's a typo. <laughs> it must have it meant coverage, probably. Who knows? At this point... If this is the the biggest thing we've got going on Twitter right now, I say let it be. Just <laughs> yeah, let love, it be. I love all the responses to it, <laughs> trying to too. translate it of what it means. <laughs> like I said earlier, the domain Kofifi.com has already been bought. A man in California has already purchased his license plate with the Kofifi on there. It's it's taken off. <laughs> <laughs> what can we say? It's very important news. We have to it's, we have to get to the bottom of this. Yeah. Dad. We have to figure out what it means. I've got too much to do. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. But, I guess you can get back to work. I'll, I'll solve it for you. But I'll go with coverage. I agree with you. Yeah, that's probably what but it But it kind of makes me wonder if, if he, what, did he just nod off, like literally, like mid-tweet? <laughs> the president's know. never been known Maybe to leave a thought trailing when he, when he tweets. So this, I think that's the part that made people go, what? Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't know how you get from coverage to Kofifi. I, but I mean, you know, autocorrect can be weird sometimes. Yeah, it can. It can. It can even. It can even be weird with the president. Yeah. WFLA News Time eight oh seven. You never thought you would say those words with. In your yeah, life, there's a lot of words that recently. I've never <laughs> thought I would ever be able to say, and I'm saying them. Hey, read about a cop responding to a car crash, ODing on a mystery drug at the scene. This is scary. Again, it's fentanyl. The officer, this is how quickly it happened, Mike. He reached into the car's center console to get the driver's wallet after responding to a wreck. Opened up the center console. Some white powder came out into the air. By the time he had backed up from the vehicle, he was already down on his knees, and an ambulance had to uh, give him Narcan to reverse the overdose he was experiencing. Yeah. It's scary stuff, and it's stuff our first responders are facing each and every day. You can get the story details yourself at 1025wfla.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando with Mike Yaffe starts now. From News Radio 1025, this is Good Morning Orlando. Yes, and this is Yaffe, the producer, filling in for Bud. Bud will be back next week. Mark Logus will be filling in um, later this week as well. So... Kathy Griffin, comedian, a lot of controversy now from this, posts a picture of what appears you know, supposed to look like Trump's severed, bloodied head. And Kathy Griffin says, oh, it's just a joke. 
She apologizes for this. And my, the first thing that comes to my mind is how in the world, for one, did she think it was okay to do that? And two, how did we get to this point in politics where we do stuff like this? 407-916-5400, text to 23680. We're going to talk more about this and much more. It's 809 on Good Morning Orlando. So Kathy Griffin, as many of you probably know by now, it's all over the place on social media and all media, is in a little bit of trouble for a picture that was posted about her where she is holding what looks like Trump's bloodied, severed head. Obviously, it's not really his head. It's just a mannequin head or whatever, but it's supposed it's supposed to look like that. And even some on the left, most on the left, actually, from what I've seen, even they're saying this is going too far, that this is entirely inappropriate. And I would hope that everyone would agree with that. I think Tom Benton, you pointed out to me before the show that even Keith Oberman, of all people, who hates Trump more than anyone I've ever seen, is saying that this is inappropriate. Too, gone too far. You know, this might be something. Uh, a bizarre uh, jump the monkey type thing. Is that what the... the, the uh, jump the shark? Jump the shark uh, thing. I don't know. That will make civility, civility return uh, somewhat, you know? Well, that's an interesting angle, actually. Because this could be, in a strange way, Kathy Griffin could be uniting us because we're all united against her because she really crossed the line here. Um, so two things have happened in the past couple of weeks <laughs> that really get your attention in terms of where political discourse is in our country. One, you have the guy, the Republican, who beat up the reporter, basically. And then you have this. And this... I mean, it just makes you ask the question, how did we get to this point? Or have we always been at this point and we just see it more? And is civility gone in terms of politics in this country? Now, Kathy Griffin apologized, and I have the audio of the apology here. This is what she said. Hey, everybody. It's me, Kathy Griffin. I sincerely apologize. I am just now seeing the reaction of these images. I'm a comic. I crossed the line. I moved the line. Then I crossed it. I went way too far. The image is too disturbing. I understand how it offends people. It wasn't funny. I get it. I've made a lot of mistakes in my career. I will continue. I asked your forgiveness, taking down the image, going to ask the photographer to take down the image, and I begged for your forgiveness. I went too far. I made a mistake, and I was wrong. Oh, so does everyone feel better? I mean, I guess we can forgive her. The Bible tells me I have, I have to love my enemies and show forgiveness. Um, what do you think, Tom Benson? Does that sound sincere? Well, the only only legitimate thing that she does on a regular basis that I know of is the uh, New Year's Eve celebration with uh, um, uh, on on CNN. Oh yeah, that's true. I mean, she's never. Re- I've never really been a big fan of hers or anything. So this could I, be. I can't recall any one thing she said that's <laughs> ever been funny. This could be a giant publicity stunt. So I mean, is this something? Is this? A reflection of how bad politics has gotten in this country, how divided we are, how we've totally lost civility in politics, or is this is just another example of leftist hate against Trump that has just gone nutso, as I like to say. 
getting a lot of calls and texts on this. You can call 407-916-5400. You can text to 23680. I want to talk more about this. And we have a Wayne's News, Weather, and Traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. So I was reading a piece from Real Queer Politics by Charles Lipson. Not a fan of Trump, so you got to take it with a grain of salt. But he says, America's political crisis is profound. And his piece is on why it's so profound. It says it's a political and social disunion that extends to every city and state. Few Americans have friends on both sides of the continental divide. Gone are the days when some friends voted for Ike, some for Adelaide. And nobody considered the others to be traitors or bigots. Today, it's far more likely that your colleagues at work and your friends at Starbucks share your views, read the same websites, and watch the same cable news. They don't just agree with you. They think the other side is clueless and evil. Those voting for the other team are up to something terrible. They can't possibly be sincere, much less patriotic. And when you look at what Kathy Griffin did, You can definitely see that divide. She has such hatred for the president of the United States that she thought it was okay to hold up what looked like a severed head of him. This is only one of many things I've seen against Trump where people have just gone crazy. Their hatred shows no bounds. How did we get to this point? And is there any way stopping it or have we always been this way? Let's take a call here. Let's go to uh, Robert in Sanford. Robert, how are you today? I'm doing fine. How are you, Mr. Yaffe? Pretty good. Just uh, glad to take your call. Yeah. Well, as a uh, veteran of over 30 years, I think Kathy Griffin is a uh, ISIS supporter because she remembers what she forgets what they did to Daniel Pearl and all those Christians over there over the years. Really? Well. I mean, yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that's kind of what you think about when you see this picture. And I appreciate your call, Robert, is what ISIS actually did to people. This isn't funny. One person texted in, you can text it to 3680, said, think her apology was only after she had a visit from the Secret Service. Another person says, is she only apologizing because of the reaction she is getting? Her career is on the line now, so she's squirming. Another person said that there was a there's a clip out there of Kathy and the photographer this morning talking about the pictures before posting them, and they knew it would get a bad reaction. Going to the point of maybe it was a publicity stunt. Very interesting. Let's take another call here. Keith in Winter Garden. Keith, how are you this morning? Hey, good, Mike. How you doing? Pretty good. Hey, listen, you know, this girl... Um, you know, I'll accept her, her apology for what it's worth. You know, I'm a Christian, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, the fact of the matter is is that it's not we that have gotten this far. It's literally the left, you know. Um, they're like an onion, you know. The more you peel them back, the more they stink. And the thing is is, is that what people don't realize what the left have done in this country is, is they have pushed the Overton window so far left, so far to the point where uh, even something less than this would be tolerable. Whereas nothing that, that they do, it should be tolerable. And if the left on the other side, should I say, think this is so outrageous, where are they looking for her, uh, her firing? You know what I'm saying? So talk is cheap. I don't believe a word she said. Yeah, I'll forgive her because that's what I'm supposed to do. But the fact of the matter is, is we should all be outraged. I would be outraged if it was Obama. I mean, come on. This yeah. has got to stop. It's just got to stop. I agree. I agree, Keith. 
Um, in terms of this is just where the left is gone, I have a piece in Town Hall that I might get to later by um, by someone who says, liberals are shocked to find we're starting to hate them. Um, uh, sorry, let me, let me rephrase that. Liberals are shocked to find we're starting to hate them right back. Saying that we're starting to fight back and they're shocked we're fighting back in the way we're fighting back. More on the political divide, but basically making the point that the left has gotten so outrageous that the right is just wanting to fight fire with fire and fighting back in a similar way, but basically that the left started it. I mean, use the example of college campuses, which we're going to talk about later as well. I mean, if a liberal speaker goes to Liberty University, very conservative campus, I guarantee you're not going to have the same reaction as Ann Coulter trying to go to Berkeley. So there is a point to be made there. Let's go to Anthony Kasimi. Anthony, what's your take on this? Yes, good morning. Well, first, two things came to my to, to my mind when I saw that picture. One was ISIS, and the second one was spirit cooking. That, that was um, that we all found out through the Podesta emails. And these people are—I mean, I think I think evil just runs through the, the veins. These people. I mean, I think there's something seriously wrong with these people. And I've never even heard of this one before, Kathy. Again, I don't even watch TV. I don't watch CNN. I haven't watched it in years because it's all total garbage. But uh, they, 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 need, uh, they need help. They need mental help. Gotcha. It goes to uh, liberalism being a mental disorder. <laughs> Thank you for, for your call, Frank. I mean, I, I don't blame just the left for the political divide. I think we have part of the blame. But the left has just gone completely insane. When it comes to Trump, I've never seen anything like it. And to think that this is okay, I, I hope like what Tom Benton was saying earlier, maybe this can be the thing that unites us a little bit so we can all be saying, man, this is going too far, I think. Let's take a call from Joe in Titusville. Joe, what's your take? Well, I, I think it's been going down this road for a while, probably since George W. Uh, and then when Obama came in, it hit steroids, and, and now it's in the stratosphere. Uh you know, everybody always deems, oh, this person is unstable or that. You know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, that that shock uh, radio. You know, everybody tries to be more outrageous than the next. Shock know, jock radio, yeah. To, you know, people need to just pull back and, you know, everybody is not the enemy, you know no matter what side of the aisle is. And, and that's one of the reasons why I left the political party. You know, I think the answer to it is more people need to leave the political parties because they are obviously the problem, whether you're a Republican or Democrat, the problem the, is mm-hmm. the main party and people need to leave them. May, maybe the better. only, the only thing I would say, sometimes I think it goes beyond political parties though. I mean, it's, just ideology that we can no longer disagree with each other anymore. Right, but if you if you think about it, most of the people saying these really radical things, regardless of party affiliation, uh, is usually one of the main two parties. You very rarely hear, you know, radical things coming out of the independent wing. You know, mm-hmm. now you you also have the far right and the far left, which are also radical. But they're part of the problem, you know, of the far, of the right and the left is that we allow people into a party who say radical things and we don't stand up and call them on it. It's like when we see people 
abusing food stamps. We don't say anything about it. It's not our problem. You know, when stores are doing things and we know they're doing things, oh, well, you know, that's just the way it is. You know, gotcha, we, Joe. we've become a society that doesn't stand up for anything anymore. Gotcha, Joe. I appreciate your call. We got Deborah Roberts who's going to come in and update us at the news at the bottom of the hour. We'll take more calls in the next half hour as well. In your text, you can call 407 916 Text to 23680. It's 830 on Good Morning Orlando. Oh, taking us way back. Yeah, as soon as I heard this music, I was like, Deb's going to start dancing. Oh, yeah. You have to. It's Dancing Queen with ABBA. <laughs> and that's what she's doing. She's Everybody. Dancing. Oh, yeah. Everyone's swaying on I-4. Right. Got to go so back So says our news queen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Wait, news queen, Deborah Roberts. I've got my theme song now, too. <laughs> <laughs> the news queen, Deborah Roberts, is joining me in the studio, and you're going to update us on the latest news. What do you got for yeah, us? Yeah, including, of course, our big story all morning long, the uh, latest terrorist attack overseas. A powerful bomb exploded during morning rush hour at the center of Kabul today. Day, killing at least 80 people, wounding 350 others, and sending clouds of black smoke into the sky above the presidential palace and foreign embassies. The bomb, one of the deadliest in Kabul, and coming at the start of the holy month of Ramadan, ex- exploded close to the fortified entrance to the German embassy, killing a security guard and wounding some staff. The huge blast shattered windows as far as a mile away. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Still no claim of responsibility, and they're still not sure exactly what the target was. There's so many diplomatic offices, embassies, other important offices. They're having trouble figuring out who the attack was meant for specifically. Yeah, or maybe it was just meant to be in the middle of all of it. Exactly, exactly. That could most likely be the case. But, of course, this is an important breaking story. We'll continue to bring you details as they become available throughout the day. Also overseas, scientists on a deep-sea expedition off of Australia say they've brought up a fish with no face. No face? No face. The fish has no eyes or visible nose, and its mouth is on the underside of its body. Really? Is this one of those, like, really deep sea fish? Yeah, I'm guessing so. The species has been recorded only once before now, and that was in 1873. <laughs> we probably thought it was like a myth or something, and then we find, oh, well, this is a real thing. Wow, wow. There's a faceless fish. Faceless fish. The expedition began two weeks ago, and another weird creature the scientists have turned up uh, since is a carnivorous sponge that spears small shellfish with sharp Velcro-like spines and then slowly digest their prey while holding it. It's like a a sea version of a Venus flytrap or something. Exactly. Creepy creatures. The chief scientist calls the search area from Tasmania north toward the Coral Sea, quote, the most unexplored environment on Earth. Imagine what else we could find. I know. (laughs) It could be Loch Ness. Yeah. Down there. Well, no. Loch Ness is uh, Nessie said to be missing. Well, it's because she's down there now. Uh, she, let's hope. <laughs> That's where she the came folks from. in uh, Loch Ness in Scotland are very concerned. There haven't been any recent sightings of Nessie. They're afraid that they don't know where she's gone. Wow. Are you on the hunt, Deb? You're going to find Nessie for us? Oh, I will go to Scotland and look for her right now. <laughs> yeah. That's what you would do in Scotland. Yeah, you know it. Back stateside, the University of North Carolina baseball team has a furry friend in the dugout. Remington is the team's first therapy dog. 
Okay. Cool. The Golden Retriever helps players who are recovering from injuries reach a speedy recovery, but his talents don't end there. He can also spell his name in all caps. What? How? I don't know, but I'm going to find that YouTube video and post it. Because his name is Remington. That's not like his name is Bud. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a true. lot of numbers, or a lot of letters. He can also respond to over 100 a, commands. Does he put a pen in his mouth and write? I, I'm confused. Yeah, you probably lay the letters out for him, and he picks out the letters that spells his name Remington. Wow. He's the first, I have to see video of this. He's the first dog to play such a large role in Carolina baseball, and not only that, but in the ACC. Never heard of a therapy dog for college sports team before. Yeah, it makes sense, though. It does. Why not? Speaking of dogs, Florida is experiencing an outbreak of dog flu cases. The State Department of Agriculture said yesterday that seven cases were reported in the last week and that six possible cases could, uh, could be confirmed after pending test results. Now, the H3N2 canine influenza virus, highly contagious to dogs. They say it won't. it's not fatal to your animal, but it will make them very uncomfortable. Um, and it's not fatal and cannot be spread to humans. So definitely what about cats? call your vet. Uh, the, a cat flu right now is not an issue. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, you see where my priorities leukemia, are. Absolutely. Kitty <laughs> leukemia is a bigger issue, and I'm sure you have Spiro really? vaccinated. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know it's been an issue for a while, but I mean, is there like a there, there epidemic are no, of it? N- no, no. Oh, okay. If there was any outbreaks of You're that, I would definitely bring that to you. Okay. And good. finally, let's get ready to rummage. To rummage. All Today right. marks the start of the annual historic National Road Yard Sale Days with countless people holding sales along US 40 from Baltimore to St. Louis. Wow. That's 800 miles of bargains. Huh. It's the 14th year for the sale, which runs through June 4th. It's been a while since I've been to a yard sale. Oh, I love a good yard sale. You can find some good stuff at a yeah, yard sale. Yeah, you can. There's always those stories, too, where you, like, find, like, some kind of riches, something worth, like, thousands of dollars, and you, they bought, like, $2. They dollars for it. Anybody who's ever watched Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, plans to go to your neighborhood estate sale, especially to get those, you know, hidden gems. Huh. And, uh, well, I'll finish it off with this last item. Even though today it's not only hump day, it's also National Macaroon Day. Okay. If you're not a fan of macaroons, just say so, because today is National Speaking Incomplete Sentences Day. Oh, okay. In addition, this is also National National Senior Health and Fitness Day. Enjoy whatever you've got going on this Wednesday. Just as long as you speak in complete sentences. Yeah, I guess. With punctuation? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) See, I'm celebrating. <laughs> All right, thank you so much, Deb. You're welcome, Mike. All right, we'll take uh, your calls and texts, and we have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WF. And Yaffe, the producer, who's filling in for Bud, Bud is on vacation, but he will be back next week. We got Mark Logos filling in tomorrow and Friday as well. So, a piece from townhall.com I found interesting kind of goes in the whole subject of. The political divide, the social civil war, as I like to call it, in this country. Uh, here's what it says. Found it yesterday. It says, liberals are shocked to find we're starting to hate them right back. It says, I know it's theoretically wrong for a Republican candidate to smack around an annoying liberal journalist, but that still doesn't mean that I care. 
Our ability to care is a finite resource, and in the vast scheme of things, millions of us have chosen to devote exactly none of it toward caring enough to engage in fussy self-flagellation because of what happened to a slappy broken Shades. This is talking about the Minnesota uh, candidate who uh, body slammed a journalist. Says, sorry, not sorry. What, what, what? Montana. Oh, what did I say? Minnesota? Minnesota, yeah. Sorry about that. Montana. They both start with an M. That's right. You're close. You're in the <laughs> yeah, ballpark. You're... you're in the right church. Wrong pew. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, Montana. Sorry about that. Thanks, Tom Benson. Um, says, she continues on, or he continues on. Uh, and that's not a good thing by any measure, but it's a real thing. Liberals have chosen to course in our culture. Their validation encouragement of raw hate, their flouting of laws, high leakers, high Hillary, and their utter refusal to accept democratic outcomes they disapprove of have consequences. Says, we're going to start hating you right back. I've been warning of this for a while, by the way. Says, cue the boring, moralizing, and sanctimonious whimpering of the femi bow-tied submissive branch of conservatism. Take a deep breath there. Whose obsolete members are shocked to find themselves left behind by the masses to whom these geeks were not the most important objective of the movement. This is where they sniff. We're better than that. And one has to ask, who's we? Because by nature, people are not better than that. They are not designed to sit back and take it while they are abused, condescended to, and told by classless ruling class that they are now two sets of rules. And guess what? The old rules are only going to be enforced against them. It says, we don't like the new rules. I'd sure prefer a society where no one was getting attacked, having walked through the ruins of a country that took that path. But we normals didn't choose a new, the new rules. So basically what this uh, person in town hall is saying is that, yeah, the right, this guy might have went too far in, Mon- in Montana. Uh, when he body slammed a journalist. And yeah, sometimes the right, maybe Trump went a little too far in the campaign. Sometimes the right went a little too far, but they're just fighting back, fighting fire with fire. The left started it. Kind of sounds like kids crying to their mom, doesn't it? Well, he started it. She started it. It's kind of what he's saying. Well, the left started it, so we got to fight back. Sometimes even savagely not care. Here's why I can't agree with that. And I know a lot of you probably do agree with that article. Here's why I cannot agree with that. I do think we should hold better standards on our side. But the most important reason why I can't agree with that is, yes, I'm a conservative. But before me being a conservative, what I put above being a conservative is the fact that I'm a Christian. I put my faith and my Christianity above my conservatism. I think they go line in line with a lot of, in a lot of cases, but in terms of politics, my faith and what I think is acting Christ-like and what Christ would want me to do, I feel is more important than the political divide in our country today. That's what I think. And I don't think Jesus would want us body slamming journalists. I don't think Jesus would want us to start fighting back the way the left is fighting against us. I know it's cruel. I know it's hateful. I know it makes you want to fight fire with fire. But sometimes it's better to fight fire with water. Sometimes fighting fire with fire just creates more fire. I understand we have to be bold. 
but I want to fight them with the truth. But like I said, my Christianity comes before that. So this whole, well, we have to be just like them because they started it. I just don't buy that. Someone on the left I actually agree with. I'm going to play that audio next. We have Orlando's News, Weather, and Traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. Well, it's been a fast three hours. It's fun being in this chair every once in a while. This is Yaffe, the producer, filling in for Bud. By the way, we have Tom Benson producing, and Mike was screening your calls. I don't. I think I forgot to mention that earlier. I apologize, guys, but I appreciate it when you and the guys on the other side of the glass because, well, I know what it's like to be on the other side of the glass. By the way, if you want to send me a firm request on Facebook, feel free to send me a firm request. Search Michael Yaffe, Y-A-F-F-E-E, and I will accept it. Or you can follow me on Twitter at the Beyond Reason R. I'm always posting great stuff on um, Facebook, especially, but on Twitter as well. And I posted this on Facebook yesterday. Something I thought I would never post. A video by Fareed Zakaria. Or is it Zakaria? I always get it mixed up. Zakaria. Uh, off CNN. A liberal journalist there. Hates Trump. I never agree with him on anything. But even he had to admit that what's going on on college campuses is getting a little ridiculous. And he calls out the left for what they're doing. And this is what he said. American universities these days seem committed to every kind of diversity except intellectual diversity. Conservative voices and views, already a besieged minority, are being silenced entirely. The campus thought police have gone after serious conservative thinkers like Heather McDonald and Charles Murray, as well as firebrands like Milo Yiannopoulos and Ann Coulter. Some were disinvited, others booed, interrupted, and intimidated. It's strange that this is happening on college campuses that promise to give their undergraduates a liberal education. The word liberal in this context has nothing to do with today's partisan language, but refers instead to the Latin root pertaining to liberty. And at the heart of the liberal tradition in the Western world has been freedom of speech. From the beginning, people understood that this meant protecting and listening to speech with which you disagreed. Oliver Wendell Holmes once said that when we protect freedom of thought, we are protecting freedom for the thought that we hate. Freedom of speech and thought is not just for warm, fuzzy ideas that we find comfortable. It's for ideas that we find offensive. There is, as we all know, a kind of anti-intellectualism on the right these days. The denial of facts, of reason, of science. But there is also an anti-intellectualism on the left. An attitude of self-righteousness that says we are so pure, we are so morally superior, we cannot bear to hear an idea with which we disagree. Liberals think they are tolerant, but often they aren't. In 2016, a Pew study found Democrats were more likely to view Republicans as close-minded, but each side scores about the same in terms of close-mindedness and hostility to hearing contrarian views. And large segments on both sides consider the other to be immoral, lazy, dishonest, and unintelligent. This is not just about tolerance for its own sake. The truth is, no one has a monopoly on right or virtue. Listening to other contradictory views will teach us all something and sharpen our own views. One of the greatest dangers in life, whether it be in business or government, is to get trapped in a bubble of groupthink and never ask, 
What if I'm wrong? What is the best argument on the other side? As I said at Bucknell, there is also a broader benefit to society. Technology, capitalism and globalization are strong forces pulling us apart as a society. By talking to each other seriously and respectfully about agreements and disagreements, we can come together in a common conversation, recognizing that while we seem so far apart, we do actually have a common destiny. While, while I don't agree with 100% of everything he said in there, I think for the most part, he was right. Never thought I would say those words. But that anti-intellectualism in terms of this group thing, in terms of getting in our tribes, our bubbles, not willing to hear the other side, it's dangerous, especially when you see it on college campuses. What the left has been doing on college campuses is uncalled for. Kudos to him on that. All right, Mark Logus is filling in tomorrow. I'll be producing, though. And I'll end the show like Bud does. God bless you and God bless America.